0: Father in heaven, as our prayers ascend to you, we pray that your spirit's groanings would go with them, that they might be interpreted to you. We also pray that each heart and mind here would be prepared to receive a full outpouring of your spirit. Animate us to speak your words to the people we come in contact with, to our families, and to our patients. Bless this Sabbath day. Make it a special day of learning and instruction by your spirit of truth. And not only may it be a day of knowledge, but also a day in which we receive your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Zula Masimba, if you would uh, come up uh, at this time, uh, we uh, have some progress notes uh, here for you tonight, and I would dare say these these progress notes come from uh, different portions of the world. And this week, and the world stage, the United Nations has been put in the spotlight. But uh, I think all of the speeches at the U.N. will probably be dwarfed by what you hear here in the next few minutes. And uh, Zula, tell us a little bit uh, about, uh, first of all, uh, where you're from, uh, where you went to medical school, and and how you came to the U.S.
1: Thank you. Uh, I was born in uh, Zambia. uh, That's in Southern Africa. And um, I went to medical school in, at University of Zambia, uh, where I did my training. And then it, immediately after I finished, I, I decided to come to Catering, or catering Medical Center. And uh, after doing my three years of residency, I was surprised that you were actually there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I took up uh, a teaching position at uh, Catering. And uh, I'm working with uh, Catering m- Medical Missions as well in the missions department.
0: Okay, now in medical school in Zambia, of course, not everyone here has had the advantage of attending Loma Linda University. I know one of the reasons why I attended was because of, uh, of Sabbath issues, and actually there were Sabbath issues that came up while I was there because not all of the teachers uh, understand that and, of course, practice that. But, of course, the administration was always sympathetic uh, to that and it was never really a problem at, at LLU. Uh, you did run into some
1: Sabbath problems, absolutely, there, in the absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as you know, University of Zambia is a government uh, institution, and uh, as always, we had uh, sometimes to take exams. Uh, we, were for, we were asked to take exams during the you know, on Sabbath, and many times, as Adventist uh, uh, group within the campus, we came head-on head-on collision with the administration, and there were many times that we had to. Uh, go and see the vice chancellor even, uh, the dean of the medical school that were not going to write the exams, take the exams on the Sabbath. And and because of that, they made special provisions that uh, later on uh, there were no exams to be taken on Sabbath.
0: Part of the help was that, was that he had 10 fellow students there that were also uh, Seventh Day Adventists. And so it's good to know that uh, Adventists, how many of you did not attend, Our, our physician and dentist did not attend? Loma Linda University let me see your hands we have probably a good uh, uh, maybe 20 25 percent of our group here tonight uh, comes from uh, non-adventist medical schools well uh, Zula in Zambia uh, there are some health issues that face that country tell us a little bit about those health issues
1: yeah Uh, we had a PowerPoint presentation I don't know whether uh, Rebecca can help us with uh, the PowerPoint presentation okay Uh, While Rebecca is uh, uh, bringing up the PowerPoint presentation, Uh, as you know, Zambia has uh, one of the highest HIV/AIDS rate uh, in Africa. Um, About uh, one in every four patients, one one in every four is infected with HIV, and they are about within the sub-Saharan Africa. They are about 12 million uh, children suffering from HIV or orphans, rather, who have uh, been affected by by HIV. Um, So that's one of uh, the major crises occurring in Southern southern Africa. So we've been involved uh, at Catering Hospital uh, with uh, trying to provide education uh, to orphans. Uh, Every year we have uh, medical missions uh, to Africa And particularly this program was born out of uh, one of the mission trips that we had to um, uh, Africa. When we went to, uh, you can advance the the slides. When when we went to um, one of of these mission trips, uh, the sisters at the orphanage came with uh, eight children asking if we could just uh, help uh, find uh, some resources to take them to, to school. And then when we came over to uh, Catering Hospital, we said we were going to come up with a project where we would be able to find uh, some resources for children to go to school. as um, Because of uh, the high burden of uh, orphans in Zambia, um, the extended care system uh, family network has has been extremely overwhelmed to a point where you have grand parents now taking care of children, and sometimes even children themselves taking care of uh, children. Um, it's not uncommon to find uh, children uh, waking, uh, breaking stones just to get, uh, it, make a living to go to school. And so at Catering uh, this year alone, we've been able to uh, support about 100 uh, uh, children to go to school.
0: Some of those pictures are from uh, are of you, obviously, uh, with these uh, orphans. Uh, how often do you go to uh, Zambia and help out there?
1: Uh, I go to Zambia about once a year uh, at least. Uh, We're in the process of uh, structuring the program, the mission program, and I'm hoping that sometime in future we'll be able to partner with AMEN so that uh, we can have physicians going to Zambia as well to uh, be part of uh, the process of helping
0: orphans. Well, we, we saw 12 million orphans in Africa. Uh, Sub-Sahara Africa. Sub-Sahara Africa, uh, and those, most of those orphans are due to AIDS? HIV, most of them. And uh, what percent in Zambia alone of the general population would have HIV there?
1: About one in every four, uh, so about 25 percent of uh, the general population has HIV.
0: And so that means even more orphans uh, will come. More back. orphans, more orphans uh, will be coming. So there's uh, obviously a need for orphanages, but there's also a need, once they go to orphanages, there's no guarantee that they're ever going to get an education. Absolutely, think, right?
1: absolutely. And that's where we, we have to uh, act and uh, try and see if we can uh, um, help the children go to school because there's going to be a generation gap where you have uh, the orphans who have been left behind without Hope without uh, you know, prospect of going into attending education, and so the only way we can help out is by uh, trying to help the children uh, find some means of going to school and uh, self, you know, means of self sustenance
0: so uh, SuLA uh, Kettering Medical Center has teamed up with you to uh, to help particularly the education of these orphaned uh, children right. And uh, if you would like more information about that, uh, how would they be able to get that?
1: Well, we have some residents here. Uh, they can uh, uh, stand up there. If you, if you want a brochure, be, you can just raise up your hand, and they'll be uh, ready to give you the, uh, the handout so that you can see ways in which you can help out.
0: Thank you for thank the work that you're doing. There.
1: Thank you so much.
0: David uh, Catalano, if you would uh, come up. Actually uh if I understand correctly uh our um, Naren James uh, told me before this uh, uh meeting that uh, the nominating committee uh, nominated uh two additional board members and I think the next two on the progress notes uh, have been nominated as board members the the general members of Amen will have a meeting Saturday night uh, about that and some other uh, issues but uh, David uh Catalano uh, was nominated uh, for a, uh, a board position at the Adventist Medical Evangelism uh, Network, but that's not the reason why he's here. He was uh, uh, actually uh, came to the seminar last year. Was our first Amen seminar, and uh, David, you were here. And uh, what impressed you particularly about that uh, that seminar that uh, moved you into what we're about ready to talk about?
2: Well, uh, it was pretty mind blowing, actually because I've been a physician for 20 years and had not ever really experienced mission in my practice. I mean, asking to pray with patients is one thing, but uh, such a mission-minded focus was uh, really something new. And actually, since that time, my practice has changed. But um, I had the opportunity to go to India with the Farley team, the 11th uh, phase, and so I jumped at it.
0: Okay, tell us uh, where you're at, where you're practicing, what your specialty is.
2: I'm a radiation medicine specialist, radiation oncologist. So actually to do mission work in the third world is uh, out of my comfort zone. (laughs) But um, we we pulled it off. Actually, uh, with the team, uh, awesome team of Gospel Outreach and Maranatha, they make it very easy.
0: Okay. And so uh, you heard about, if I'm not mistaken, you kind of heard about this India project here at Amen last year. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. We were just putting together the team then. You remember Naren was saying uh, we needed to get some physicians together. Unfortunately, there there wasn't enough room to have very many of us. It had already been closed. I see. Uh, Naren made it and, and I squeezed in. But the Farley family is at my home church, so I had an advantage. <laughs>
0: okay, well, tell us a little bit about uh, this India trip.
2: Well, uh, typically it works so well because gospel outreach prepares the way. And the phone is going off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess I should have answered that to find out whose phone it is. Yeah.
2: If it's important, they'll call back. Um, Gospel outreach prepares the way by arriving months ahead and going to these villages asking, you know, are you interested in uh, this group? And if they say yes, then there's a commitment to build a church, to uh, give each member who's baptized a Bible in their own language, which is called Telugu. And uh, then the Americans arrive, and in a short three weeks, we see the baptisms. We, we basically do the reaping. We're not allowed to actually baptize them because it's against the law to proselytize. And also, if we were even present, it would appear that we had purchased or we had bought baptisms. So uh, in three weeks' time, typically between twenty and 25,000 people will be baptized. Wow.
0: And, you know, just a few years ago, uh, we would hear about how India was impossible to reach. Uh, you know, with the paganism philosophy and those type of things, it just uh, wasn't something that seemed to be reachable. Yeah. Uh, and now we're hearing about numbers like this. What, what's well, the difference?
2: Yeah, I think what's happened is um, there are Hindus who are disenfranchised from their society. And particularly in the province of Andhra Pradesh, um, Christianity gives them uh, brotherhood and it actually it elevates their social status. It gives them hope where they had no hope. And uh, so it's just a wide open field. I mean, they're they're coming in 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 droves. Um, some of the baptisms occurred in families who are already quote Christian. What had happened was a hundred years ago the English had. Uh, come in and baptized, and the grandparents or great-grandparents of these folks said, you're Christian, but they had no idea who Jesus Christ was. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us a little bit about the pictures. William, might, you might be able to advance uh, through a little bit here. Yeah.
2: Typically what we do is we come into a village, and we're greeted like a royalty. And the next slide. Basically, uh, children's stories are taught, and we do a lot of praying. Uh, if you advance here, you can see. We visit uh, as many homes as possible in each village. And we greet them with the standard um, praying hand salute. And we invite them to our meetings. And typically they will ask for prayer. They may even grab your hand and place it on their head and ask for prayer. And there's a few more slides of that. And then um, pretty soon you learn that there's not enough time to pray for each person, so you bunch them up and pray for bunches of them. And the kids are, of course, very cute and wonderful. Occasionally, even though we were asked not to do any medical work, it comes up. Uh, this 14 year old boy had this hand and I said, well, how long has that been? He said, well, about four years. So uh, we thought it might be leprosy, it was hard to tell. There's, there are lepers there. Um, Unfortunately, there's no diagnostic test, you know, we carried with us in our pockets. So we sent him to the hospital. This man had a scorpion bite on his thumb, and so I whipped out my charcoal and made a little poultice for him. Uh, next slide. So the other thing that we do during the day is we dedicate the churches that are being built. This particular phase saw 100 churches being built. And again, they greet you like royalty. They put lays on, they parade you through the streets. This is one of the churches that we dedicated. Um, The next slide I think shows the inside. They packed these churches with 400 plus people. Um, We also did a foot washing service there. And then um, in the evenings, we had multiple villages brought in trucks to a central site. And there was an evangelistic meeting. So this is one of the pastors. This is me giving one of the health talks. And by the end of our campaign, we had up to 8,000 people attending just our venue alone. And we had uh, seven venues. Wow.
0: And there was a baptism at the, at the end of that? Uh, the baptisms were all
2: during the, the campaign I see, cause that cause we did right not witness. We had to see them on video.
0: I see. Tell us a little bit why that uh, happened.
2: Because it's uh, it's illegal to proselytize. One of the pastors, in fact, the one that I showed, uh, mistakenly put that he was a pastor on his visa, and he was made to write, "I promise not to preach." Wow! But when he got there, we needed him to preach. (laughs) He said, "Well, I serve a higher power. I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) preach."
0: Okay. Well. if these you know, part of the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, there's several things that we're working on, but uh, one of those is uh, to increase short-term mission trips by all medical people uh, here in the states. Really, uh, no matter what field that we're into, uh, David, if there was an interest among uh, the people here, and also to to let uh, other individuals know about opportunities, how would they find out about it?
2: Well I think the uh the first team is going in November and um that's being organized through Amen as well as Amazing Facts in this case. But I mean our organization is gearing up to do this on a regular basis. So right through the organization. Rebecca, where's Rebecca? Yes, they can contact you and find out.
0: Okay. So contact Rebecca if you would Any closing comments you'd like to?
2: Well, add? I would just encourage everyone to consider going on these short-term missions. It's a great way to uh, get your feet wet. It's, they hold your hand the whole way. I mean, it's very safe. It's very clean. Um, it's a great way to experience the third world and, and uh, get into it.
0: Thank you very much, uh, David.
2: And now, uh, Raja Tuma.
0: Uh Raja uh is from the great country of Iraq. And uh she at the age of 5 uh was uh being raised by an Adventist minister over there in Iraq. And uh at the age of 5 what did you write down uh that you wanted to do?
3: Not me.
2: <laughs>
3: Actually the principal of the school wrote on my graduation certificate what I, as to what I'm going to be in future, a doctor and a preacher. <laughs>
0: And uh, although the principal had written that down, uh, Raja ended up uh, coming to this country. Uh, her medical school was uh, in Iraq, but then she did her family medicine uh, training uh, here in this country, uh, joined a group in Fontana, and eventually became the CEO of a uh, large, well, a mid-sized primary care clinic uh, in uh, Fontana. And it really slipped away from those principles. Uh, And, uh, you know, we had a a seminar today about uh, our children and priorities in regards to uh, children. In this case, it was her son uh, who helped bring her back into the fold. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Um, My son was in college, in in, uh, La Sierra College. And as a lot of you know, it's a very liberal, but he got together with some youth that were on fire for God. And uh, they started studying with him and with other students. And then he'd come home and says, mom, we gotta study, mom, we gotta study. Deep in my heart, I really wanted it, but I resisted, I resisted, I resisted and fought. At the time, my life was so anxiety-stricken. I had so many responsibilities, not only with my company. I, I finish at 8, 8.30. Then I have to go to my parents' home. I have chronic, a chronically ill mom that I have to take care of. I don't finish there until 10, 10.30. I go home. There's so much there to take care of. And I, at the drop of a needle, I would lose it. I lose my temper. I sometimes I cry. I feel so sorry for myself. It was miserable. So, when Eric, my son, started bringing this um heat for God to me, um I finally I said okay. He started teaching me scripture songs that he lit, he uh, learned from his friends in La Sierra, and uh, we started going to meetings. I went to one seminar after another, and it snowballed. Um, the conversion was, I would say, very fast, but as you all know, it is a personal growth. It's a daily growth. You can't just glean a little bit here and a little bit there and get converted. You work on it. And you pray, you study god 's word, and it grew and grew and grew to where now I cannot contain it it 's beyond me I just it 's explosive
0: <laughs> She was uh, rebaptized in uh, march uh, April April thirty of two thousand and five uh, shortly thereafter attended the Amen conference here and uh began instituting uh, something that she hadn 't done before, and that is uh praying for patience. Tell us a little bit about how that has gone.
3: Um, I started witnessing to my patients. Uh, thanks to God and Pastor Randy Skeet, a lot of you know him, I started memorizing scripture. The first uh, year after my baptism, I memorized 200 verses. And it's ongoing. So um, knowing these verses, I start talking to my patients. I custom approach each patient according to their needs. And um, I start many times with the health message and inject Christ into it and bring verses and verses. And and I write verses for them and give them to them to look them up at home and read them themselves from from the Bible. And then I pray with them at the end of the visit. Many, many of them cry when I pray. One of them, um, she was an African American lady, I hugged her and I prayed. And after the prayer, I look at her and she's crying. And I look at her with a question on my face as to why she's crying. She said, Doctor, people are embarrassed of the word Jesus. And here's my doctor preaching to me about Jesus. Um, uh, I've had Pentecostal ministers come to me. Um, One of them was quite overweight. And uh, he was referred to me to inject his... Um, plantar fasciitis, uh, because his doctor didn't know how to do it, since I'm the medical director, so everything comes to me. <laughs> I injected his foot, and then I uh, said, you know what, I got to talk to you. You got to lose some weight. This is way too much. You got to be healthy. And I started talking to him about the dangers of meat, each each uh, type of meat. I talked to him how the animals are treated, what they're injected with, what they're fed. He cringed. And then I started talking to him about bringing verses from the Bible, one after the other, first about Genesis 1.29, the diet that God gave Adam, and then how the bodies, our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, and brought example one after the other in verses. He looked at me and said, Doctor, you're talking to a preacher. God. (laughs) So this preacher went on his way after I was done preaching to him. He came back three or four months ago. He lost 26 pounds. He told me, doctor, nobody has approached me like you have. This same approach, um, I do with other patients that come to me, refer to me for dermatology. I love dermatology. So from patients from other doctors' practices come to me, and when they're overweight or they're very unhealthy lifestyle, I tell them, make a special, make, make a special appointment with me to talk to you about the lifestyle change. And it's been a miracle that had never happened to me in the past. I'd always wanted to, to talk health to my patients and healthy lifestyle, but injecting Christ into the formula executes miracles. They've been losing weight like you cannot believe it, the healthy way, mind you, the healthy way. Um, I uh, remember a, um, a lady that worked all her life in bars. I was telling uh, Dr. Nedley about it. Um, she, 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 she could talk about a storm. She wouldn't even give me a chance to speak two sentences without interjecting her own. But anyway, at the end of the visit, after I talked to her about lifestyle and all that stuff, uh, she said, okay, okay, doctor, okay, okay, thank you. She goes, and six weeks later, she comes in. She has lost seven pounds. I was so skeptical, but God showed me. (laughs) Even this woman can be reached.
0: Well, you also learned about short-term mission trips at Amen last year and uh, you embarked on a mission trip to Africa. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Okay, um, I also attended ASI. <laughs> okay. And um, in ASI, they had talked about a trip to Ghana, West Africa that took place this last January, February. And I was so excited, I wanted to go on a mission trip. And so uh, I turned in two cards and they called me, I was so excited and I started preparing for the trip while the devil was sharpening his tools. He fought me like you cannot believe it. Um, I wish I had the chance to talk about all, all what I went through but I remember two days in a row while I was in Ghana, by the way, the weather in Ghana was very hot and muggy to where if you go out of an air-conditioned area, well, like, I'd leave my, my room to go out in the hallway to make a call to, to California. Not even a minute would pass, and my sweat would be dripping like this. It was miserable. Anyway, for two days, there was no air conditioning in, in my room.
0: And um, the three days before that, she hadn't had sleep. Uh, the, the, the travel over... Uh, it was two days late, uh, and there was a number of factors there, so she hadn't slept for probably about a total of five days at this point in time. She got there just in time to give her first message. She didn't go through the pre-sessions uh, beforehand, uh, and uh, barely made it through that. And then so a couple of days later, with no air conditioning whatsoever, uh, there quartet singing lift up the trumpet at her evangelistic series and she's saying i can't even lift up myself
3: <laughs> and so exactly. what did you tell
0: god at that time and here you are supposed to speak after the quartet's done
3: um, i also was seeing patients for hour an hour and a half before each preaching session so i'd sit in this wide open area outdoors and in the heat and i'd be dripping and seeing patients for an hour and a half and then after that especially like uh, Dr. Nedley said, after five days of having no rest, I said, Lord, I cannot go up there and preach. I don't care what. I cannot. It's your work. Do something about it. I can't. And I, I was just praying so hard. I thought, it's an impossibility. I was drained. I was dead. And then the song was just about over. And I thought, what am I going to do? I climbed up another two steps to, to, the, to get up to the podium, and I stopped again and prayed, and I was I was practically in tears. Said, Dear Lord, do something, I can't. And, and it was so hot and muggy, and there was not even a breeze, nothing. I stood up on the pulpit and I held the microphone. I looked at the people that were waiting for me to say something, and all of a sudden, a cool breeze just swept me over from head to toes. I was so revitalized, like nothing happened whatsoever. And that sermon that I preached that night was one of the best sermons I preached the entire evangelistic series.
0: <laughs> Many souls were one, actually, uh, uh, although they almost canceled her sight because they weren't sure she was going to come. Uh, there were uh, 50 uh, non-adventist souls who did come and out of those uh, 20 uh, gave their heart to the Lord in full baptism so uh, a 40 percent uh, rate and so the Lord really blessed uh, in someone who was determined uh, to do his work in short term missions. Amen. Any closing comments you'd like uh, to make uh, <laughs> for our group? Raja? Um,
3: the blessing I received from that trip is beyond words. Um, it brought me so close to the Lord. It gave me the drive to press on and do it for the rest of my life. I um, not only witness to my patients every day, but um, with with God's help, God's willing, uh, this next year I will. I also plan another evangelistic series. I'm not sure where, but I'll definitely gonna do it. Um, in, in my practice, my patients, uh, I invite them to uh, church, to evangelistic series. This last evangelistic series of Pastor Randy, Randy Skeet that's actually ongoing, I invited my, my patients. One of them actually, he made an appeal a couple of days ago to who wants to give hun- their lives 100% to God. I was sitting next to my patients. And a, and a couple came to the front. And he, he, The man was the one that um, designed a, a Pharaoh's lost kingdom. I said, praise God. I had tears in my eyes because that couple I had known in the past. And they were really not much with God at all. And they gave them lives. And all of a sudden, my patient gets up and goes to the front running. Oh, God. I had, oh, I thank God so much for this great gift. So yesterday night, I did not want to be here because I wanted to be with my patient again that night after she gave her, her life to Christ. So I strongly recommend it, strongly recommend it. You'll get a blessing like you can not even contain from the Lord.
0: Thank you, Raja. That's the only excused absence we will give for not attending uh, the amen meetings. And it's certainly an acceptable one.